0: And good evening. I am live right now watching the Boston Merrill Forum. So the format is going to be this. I am going to watch the Boston Merrill Forum, maybe give some comments during it. And then afterwards, I will give you my analysis of what happened and also my predictions. And I will timestamp in the description if you just want to skip ahead to all that. And with that, here we go.
1: He served on the Walsh administration for seven years and is a dad of four. All right, so there you go. Let's go over the rules for tonight's debate. Each candidate will start off answering one question on the same topic with one minute to respond. Rebuttals will be at my discretion. They give me that kind of power tonight. The candidates will then get 45 seconds for individual questions with a 30-second rebuttal, again, at my discretion. Plus, then there'll be a rapid fire round at the end of the evening. And finally, each candidate will have a 30-second closing statement. All right, and we would like to hear from you at home as well all night long. To get in on the action, you can message us, tweet us, tag us, but be sure to use the hashtag BossMayorDebate, mayor, debate, Ooh, the mayor to debate, to follow along online. So before tonight's debate, names were drawn to decide the order of the question so that we could be fair about this. So Councillor Wu, you're up first. How would you grade the city of Boston and its handling of the pandemic? I'm looking for a letter grade A through F and Y.
2: So first, thank you, Shannon. And I'm so excited to be here on this historic stage alongside leaders and colleagues in this field. I wanna wish my husband, Connor, a happy wedding anniversary, love you. And to center in this moment that this election is about the future of our city. What we have gone through with the pandemic has highlighted, deepened, exacerbated every inequity. I would give our city of Boston a C plus for how we've handled the pandemic. We have gotten to the point where we are now seeing businesses beginning to wonder about what the next steps are as the Delta variant ramps up. We are sitting on the verge of schools reopening and a lot of uncertainty as well. We need to do better about closing the gaps And addressing the issues that this pandemic has exacerbated, but were already present in our communities for a long time before. I'm running for Mayor of Boston to take on the big challenges, to take on the issues that will drive the future of this city. I have a track record in City Hall of knowing just what's possible when we build coalitions and center communities in that work. Councilor, thank you for that response. Councilor Campbell.
0: Hey, they let you (laughs) Barrows. Poor
3: guy. First of all, thank you for having me. I would probably give a D. Um, You know, I filed a hearing order back on this issue in December of last year, particularly looking at vaccinations and how we would need, of course, to go into communities of color, immigrant communities, especially those that are hardest to reach to ensure that they were getting vaccinated. It's simple. We need masks. We need vaccination. Right now in the city of Boston, we have a mask mandate, of course, for city employees, as well as a vaccination mandate uh, or regular testing. We have mask mandates for those who are external to the city, but we do not have vaccination requirements. Ooh, we're I've been already on hitting the record the vaccine leading the mandate. way, pushing the city of Boston, pushing the acting mayor, of course, and administration to implement what New York City's doing, what San Francisco's doing. All of these best practices we know are saving lives. Right now, I live in Mattapan. We have the lowest vaccination rate in the city of Boston. We can change that by adopting some of these best practices. My leadership is decisive, especially when it comes to a public health crisis like COVID-19, and it's also essential for reopening our economy. Council Campbell, thank you very much uh, for
1: that response. Let's go to mm-hmm. Councilor George now. Grade and why?
4: Uh, first, uh, thank you very much for having us tonight. It's Councilor Asaivi George, and I hope to be Mayor Asaivi oh, George soon. Already and messed up. The only teacher the on this I spent not 13 good. years in the classroom grading students. I think you know overall, I'd give our response as a city a C, but it certainly has to be over the response of 18 months, we've been in the thick of COVID, we've been in the thick of this pandemic for too long. And from the beginning, when we had difficulty getting testing into the hands of our city's residents to then a vaccine rollout that had some starts and stops and and now we're in a great spot with high rates of vaccination. Certainly we have to do more across our city. We've lost the mark a little bit on testing and I'd like to see us, especially with the breakthrough cases, um, get back into uh, gear with that testing. And then I think about our small businesses, the impact that this pandemic and some of the uncertainty that we've seen over this last year and a half has had on our small businesses. We have to do more for them. Okay.
1: Councillor Asabi, Georgia policy. Thank you. Thank you. Noted moving forward. Uh, Mr. Barrows, a grade and why?
5: Thank you very much. First, it's great to be here. Thank you. Um, The grade would be a B. I, I was there in government as chief of economic development when the pandemic first hit and we mobilized. We got together and we were having meetings every day at 8 a.m. to make sure that Boston was safe, had the information it needed. The mayor put together a COVID relief fund and raised $34 million to make sure that we were providing PPE or personal protective equipment to make sure we were providing testing in our neighborhood. Then he announced me and along with Chief Martinez as the two co-chairs for the Health Inequities Task Force, knowing that our most vulnerable communities would be hit the hardest. We mobilized then six different funds and moved more than $26 million to help save our small businesses. Ooh, fun follow-up. If you were head of equity,
0: why was the response in Boston so unequitable? Small
5: businesses coming on, telling us what they needed, telling us what they were hearing, and what we should be doing more of. Government was swift, we were nimble, and we were trying to be as creative as possible, and I think we did a good job.
1: All right, Mr. Barros, thank you very much. Mayor Janey. You're asked to grade yourself here in some respect, although obviously the pandemic started before you took over. A to F and why? I would give an A minus. And first
6: I want to start by thanking all of the sponsors of this important discussion. Uh, I give it an A minus because as someone who has experienced many of the challenges in our city, I bring that life experience to the job as mayor, Uh, decades long advocacy for children and families. And when I took over in March, we were in the midst of the pandemic. I acted quickly to get vaccines into arms. I invested a total of $3 million in a vaccine equity grant so that we could focus on the hardest hit communities. And now in the city of Boston, more than 70% of every resident has at least one shot. That is the work that we've done. We were first in the Commonwealth to implement a mass mandate in our schools. We have a vaccine mandate for city employees. And now we have a mass mandate uh, for indoor spaces that are open to the public. We need to continue to do more to get the vaccine into arms to make sure that we were doing everything to slow the spread. And that is what I have done as mayor of Boston.
1: All right, Mayor Janie, thank you very much. And you brought me very perfectly to our next question here. Uh, And this is gonna be a question for Mr. Barrows. I'll direct this at you first. If the FDA grants full approval on a vaccine for children under the age of 12 years old, would you still require masks in schools for all students and staff? Let's begin.
5: Yes. Um, first I would require that all students who to be vaccinated. And then we know that there are breakthrough cases. We know the more time you spend with someone in a room, then the higher the chances that you would be, uh, susceptible to an in- infection. We need to protect our students. We need to protect our, our staff and teachers to make sure that everyone is feeling safe going back to school. It is incredibly important that we have in school classes and as mayor, I would want to keep everyone safe mandating vaccines and masks will do that.
2: All right, Councilor Room. We've been counting down the days to the election in my household, but there's one more important date that we've been counting down, which is the first day of school tomorrow. Both my boys are in the Boston Public Schools and we've had lots of conversations about what this school year will look like. It's been a tremendous stress for our families, for educators, for school staff, over two school years now of uncertainty. I do support ensuring that we continue to mask up and that we are using every bit of our public infrastructure to continue closing vaccination gaps. When that approval comes for children under it. 12, we should use our schools as a platform to be able to vaccinate so that we can meet families right where they're at. And it goes beyond just our school buildings, just our vaccination efforts today as well. Our school buildings need to be revitalized so that they're healthy. With such an old footprint in Boston, only 30-some of our 125 school buildings have modern HVAC systems. Right. It's been a tremendous stress in the pandemic, and we need facilities that are healthy, inspiring, and support learning across all really
1: of Really good take answer. The masks, then, even after kids could be
2: vaccinated. The yes, alcohol. absolutely. <laughs> <So>
0: then, <laughs> and then um, she had, then, then she repeats of them, then the, uh, the, the dumb up? layup question. Can
1: vaccinated, adults can be vaccinated. Where's the threshold then? Where, you know, a lot of people sort of push back on this.
4: As a, as a classroom York. teacher, a former classroom teacher, uh, I thought she was challenging Michelle on that. That was Boston strange. Public schools uh, students and a, and a graduate of BPS myself. It is so important. And that Lisa will mention she's a teacher
0: in just about every single answer.
4: And I don't expect that masks will come off at any point in time during this year. Although we've been aggressive and we've worked really hard to educate and inform our city's residents on the importance of being vaccinated, we'll need to do a lot more educating around our young people. These are our children, these are our babies. It's important work to make sure the information is present, the information is there, and the work is before us. But I, you know, we've got to exist in reality. The masks aren't coming off this school year, and I think it's important when we make decisions that we're basing it on the science. Um, Council, brought well, us to our next to topic. Respond course, to respond to someone's comment, I'll
0: read it. it. Andrea, Andrea Campbell said, that, said she'd give the city a D for pandemic uh, handling. She's ridiculous. That data right right does, doesn't support this. that. Laugh my ass
1: off. I mean, right now
0: she's trying to differentiate herself from Kim Janey and take down any support that she has. So, I mean, politically, she's supposed to say F, but I mean, D is also a good response by her.
6: Let me start on the last question. So, yes, to the answer on masks. This is the third school year that our children are being impacted by COVID-19 and it has been incredibly difficult. So, we need to continue to mask up and I am proud that we were the first in the Commonwealth to require masks. And when it comes to Uh, The bus drivers. I'm really encouraged that our bus drivers uh, and Transdev and the school department have reached an agreement. We are expecting and welcoming all of our bus drivers back uh, to welcome our children tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. So I am very encouraged by that, and I'm excited for a new school year, even though it will be difficult we will get through it we'll get through it together supporting our young people you guys
1: are mothers and fathers
6: and
0: also there was a recent article that we we don't have enough bus drivers so uh, tomorrow is going to be a lot
5: of parents that have called me and they're not so confident so the acting the acting mayor is pretty confident i just remember talking to two bus drivers before getting here and they're not so confident they've called this the worst of any school year that they've been a part of, in terms of the chaos and information, oh, Sean that's been, Going out, taking and what punches. Been given in terms of throwing rights. punches for Kim you know Janey. What's going on? At Kim and Janie. so, I, in fact, am hopeful to hear from the acting uh, mayor that it will be fine tomorrow. But uh, people aren't so confident out there.
6: Well, I remain encouraged. I, we have been working closely with the bus drivers. We reached an agreement. Uh, we know that this is a difficult issue. As a parent of a BPS graduate myself. I know that there's a lot of anxiety around the first day of school. Yeah. And we all know that COVID has made things worse. Every single day. Oh, issue God, she's going to get
0: bad. Bus drivers
6: care about our kids. There's one student
0: kids, who, who waits on a curb and to
6: the make bus sure doesn't that show up. the first day of
1: school goes off smoothly for our children. Council Campbell,
3: I know you wanted to say something. Absolutely. So, my oldest son, Alexander, who's four years old, will be starting at Boston Public Schools in, uh, next week. And I was one of those parents that actually got a recorded voicemail leaving me a message saying there was going to be a shortage of bus drivers with little information as to who to call, where to get information, how to figure out if your family would be affected. That's just absolutely unacceptable. When you think about this system and the erosion of trust that's actually been taking place over the years because of the lack of transparency from Boston Public Schools in the district. We did know there's been a bus shortage. There's a national bus shortage right now. We should have been proactive in planning for this, of course making sure our bus drivers had everything they need and families as well. And so continuing to push for that transparency and proactive planning, because that's what our families deserve. And in the middle of a pandemic, the last thing we want to do is add any additional stress or burden to our families. So yes, Councillor Boone.
2: I just want to emphasize that you know, as, as parents, we know every single little logistical detail has a huge impact on the day-to-day stress levels and experience and and feeling of connection and trust for our families with the school district. But we need to center that the issues we're talking about now are very much because we have been missing a long-term vision and a plan for a long time in BPS. I am now in my second round of being a BPS mom, having raised my sisters while my mom was living with mental illness, and I know that if you go and visit every single Boston Public every School, time Michelle you can personalizes see the scale of disparities between the facilities very that good. our students are in, between the programming and the resources. We need a vision that comes from our school communities, and I'm proud to have put forward a very comprehensive plan so that we will not just be talking about immediate band-aids that are needed as we're in this in the midst of crisis, but the long-term
0: uh, investments, thank you for whatever that was. and
2: healing and reconnection that our communities deserve. If I'm
1: a mother or a father tomorrow morning, and I'm crossing my fingers that the bus is coming, but I have to go to work, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? What's the plan oh, then? It's got to get hammered to make sure that kids get where they need to go, so I can feel comfortable going to my job. This is why she skipped so many, many debates.
0: Where
3: they're going. So immediately after, I will just say immediately after this happened, because not only did I get the voicemail, as you can imagine, I'm sure all of us our phones were inundated. With calls, with text messages from families, and immediately said to the district, the acting mayor, and the administration it is essential that there be individual outreach to every single family that wants, of course, transportation from Boston Public Schools, that there be actual information on whether or not their bus will be available, where, and when. And if there is a shortage for that particular family, that there be an immediate alternative made available. And while we think about longer plans and visions to improve our Boston public schools, which is essential, of course, right now parents need immediate action. They need decisions made because at the end of the day, everyone wants their children to go back to school in person. I know I do, I know you do, I know we all do, (laughs) Um, but it's really essential that we get this right immediately.
1: I'm gonna move on to the next question because it relates to this. Um, We're gonna take a question now brought to us from our media partner, the Dorchester Reporter. Have a listen.
5: My wife and I are raising our two small children here in Dorchester, and we'd really like to have them enrolled in Boston public schools. But we're also concerned about having access to the best quality for our kids close to home. What will you do differently as mayor of Boston to make our public schools the most viable option?
1: All right, great question. Councilor Wu. you touched on this. Do you wanna expound upon
2: that? Yeah, for me, this has been a decade being part of BPS as a legal guardian and now a mom of my two boys. Well, fourth we time, first I'll stop calling it out,
0: but it, it is what you're supposed to
2: do. Of education. Boston is the city that invented the idea that education should be free, high quality and available to all. We need to continue to connect those resources with our communities. My plan has four main parts to it. First is to close the gap on early education and child care. We have to start early and that has such an impact on our economy as well. Second is whole child supports. I'll put in place a children's cabinet so that we provide all the services our families need. We also need to rehab our facilities with the inspiring academic and supportive environments that our children deserve. And last but not least, we need to connect vocational education to every single student and job pathway in the city.
4: Councillor Sabi George, you have a take on this? I have lots of takes I on like this. One, I liked the first one and then I forgot. The second and, and uh, third uh, point Michelle who, made. Uh, discovered a love for Boston politics and municipal government as a high school student in Boston myself. You know, our schools need a great deal of work, and certainly future. So far, Wu and Anisa are things doing the that best we need to do today. It's certainly related to our bus budget. This school year, we are committed to $137 million transporting kids to and from school. And unfortunately, the majority of those kids that will find themselves on a school bus will be moving from a community that doesn't have a high quality school to another community that does not have a high quality school. I am committed that every seat, every classroom, every school community has a high quality experience for that child. That's around grade reconfigurations, high school redesign, investment in special education. um, grade reconfiguration is normally code for closing schools. Education in this city. I suggest the people of Boston consider hiring a teacher for that job. Mr. Barros.
0: One politically fantastic sure. answer from a uh, Mrs. Abby uh,
5: Sabi-George has read my plan on the website. Oh, we calling her Boston out. Boston has failed us. Yeah, John Barros, no, no, one has called, has called, no one has read your plan. Black and brown plan. children that it was meant to help. No one has been to your it website. It not given us quality schools. It has not given equal distribution to, to resources. We need to now make sure that every neighborhood has a quality school with quality seats. In fact, that's why I've said as mayor... I will invest $4 billion to make sure that every neighborhood has a quality school and that we have labs, we have uh, libraries, that we have theaters, that we have the appropriate HVAC system so that when like our three students and, a and half teachers are in our in 90 degree of weather, they can actually be there, that we bridge the digital divide that we still have in our schools. It is ridiculous that Boston, with all the wealth that we have, don't have the kinds of schools that represent what we should be giving our children. And then we're talking about buses. We shouldn't be. We should be all walking to our neighborhood schools.
0: Ma'am Janey, yes. where are we right let, now? Let me I mean, some some John did address the lack, the lack of funding that is needed. I certainly someone who went to BPS oh, schools dangerous. I saw
6: the worst of our schools in the 1970s when I was bust. I'm the parent of a BPS graduate. I was born into a family of educators. And I spent my career uh, fighting for quality schools at a nonprofit, Massachusetts Advocates for Children. And so I understand that there are several challenges uh, with our schools, very systemic challenges. And we need to make sure that we are investing in early childhood education. I've invested as mayor of Boston $30 million in our HVAC system so we can improve the quality of our schools in terms of heating, cooling. I don't uh, and remember that. And we also that. need to make sure that we are doing the around from? STEM, around arts, early childhood education. Uh, we need to do so much more to ensure that there is a quality school in every single neighborhood in the city of Boston. We can't just focus on three schools, we have
3: to focus on all of our schools.
0: Pivot to the exam schools, ask a question about exam schools.
3: Absolutely, I'm the only candidate who went to five Boston Public Schools, including Boston Latin School. And I care deeply about education because Boston Public Schools took a poor girl out of Roxbury and sent me to Princeton University, and by all metrics, I've been successful in my life. But it's the same (laughs) system that failed my twin brother Andre. attended Madison Park, Burke High School instead of Latin School. We're still talking about those two two schools which are under-resourced today. I actually put out a plan three years ago. I'm the only candidate that put out a plan long before I was a candidate for mayor on how we could close these gaps, including those inequities. I live in Mattapan with my two boys. They have a five percent chance of getting into a high quality Boston public school compared to some downtown neighborhoods where it's 80%. I don't just talk about the inequities. I've done the work in the so I mean honestly part of it is how we rate back schools. In because of the inaction of the previous which is why
0: some of these stats drive me crazy. Plan. Though I mean, there's so absolutely truth the right into right some neighborhoods with
1: the way the are because I mean, of how the choice
0: system works. Is that a better advantage of getting your kids any quote-unquote good school? Does it matter
1: exactly where that money is allocated, how it's spent, who it's spent on, to make sure it's equitable? Is it as simple as dividing it between schools, or is it more than that?
6: It's more than that. It has to be focused so on it, well, equity, I'll and we a have a real question.
1: opportunity
6: with ESSER funding to make sure that we are doing everything to lift our children up. And make sure that they have success in school and beyond school for college and career. And it involves all of us, our teachers, our school leaders. We need to make sure that our parents are engaged, that they are also partners in education for their children. Thank you. And uh, that is again. the work that we need to ensure happens I don't every know single how to silence for that. every single child, regardless of what zip code you live in. Every child deserves a great school. That is the work I've dedicated my career to, lifting up children and families and working together to advocate for better schools for every single person in our
1: city. I think we can all at least agree the kids deserve the That's best true. when it comes to
6: school. Oh, we all agree on
0: the kids. All
1: right, we're gonna we could talk about school all day. We're gonna move on to climate change right oh, now. Come on, you're yeah, am gonna ask about exam schools. Uh, it's been a busy storm season, frankly, in our area. Uh, from Fred to Henri and Hurricane Ida, the remnants, which Henri. absolutely devastated parts of the northeast. Um, killed dozens of people in New York and in the tri-state area. And if that storm had made one quick turn, that easily could have been us up here dealing with that serious amount of flooding. Or if it hit, like, eight hours later, when it Uh, hit, like, the lunar tide, that would have been bad. One of our viewers, uh, Suzanne Morse, wants to know... How will the candidates make Boston more resilient to climate change? And will they each commit to act quickly to ad- address climate
0: change? I mean, this is a viewer, uh, Cassandra but Cassandra's every single person government. is going to say, gonna, yes, I commit to act so, quickly. Climate
4: action is so important in our city.
0: You're going to listen to harbor plans, plans and public transit. Those are the two key terms. Some
4: of our most disproportionately impacted families, community members, residents across our city. We need to act quickly as it relates to environmental injustices they're experiencing for too long. Our communities of color in particular have been left out of the conversation. And we've listened to the affluent communities, affluent folks from other places, telling us what we need to do here in the city. Certainly we have to act quickly around uh, sea level rise, around tree canopy coverage, around the impacts of asthma for our kids. I taught and coached in East Boston. And day after day at softball practice, we'd be looking at the tail end of an airplane. And then we ask ourselves, why is asthma such a big problem for the kids in East Boston? We have work to do today, and we need to make sure that our city's should residents are at the table Are you table saying we should close Logan Airport? Are we doing enough yet?
2: We need to do a whole lot more, a whole lot more quickly. Climate justice is racial and economic justice. It is the urgent threat that is at our doorsteps and going to be the lens through which we see the world for the next hundred years. The horrific images that we saw in New York with the storms of subways flooded families who lost their lives, poor, working-class immigrant families who couldn't afford the mitigation. Boston needs to be prepared right now for that. I'm proud to have earned the endorsement of every single climate group that has weighed in in this race for a vision and an actionable plan that centers the ways in which our issues all tie together with a plan for Boston to lead the way. We see it across our neighborhoods. The heat that has made outdoor work dangerous day after day in our summer, the flooding, the more intense rain, the difference in temperature between shaded parts of our city, West Roxbury with a tree canopy and Roxbury with asphalt, 10 degrees difference. Mm. This is an urgent issue of public health, of safety, of opportunity, and we are standing in the gap for the future that our kids will inherit from us. How do you, we're going to lead the way.
1: Now, I mean, you talk about the subways in New York and you, those the video of the water just gushing down. Oh. I mean, we have an old infrastructure. That's a, that's a very system. nice
0: uh, setup I mean, for MBTA. Even if MBTA. you take office tomorrow,
1: what, what do you do so that you know the next storm that blows through doesn't do the same thing up here?
2: There's a half a million dollars plus, half a billion dollars plus coming to Boston through the federal relief funds to mitigate and and address the impacts of the pandemic and these are very much tied to resiliency in our buildings. We need to ensure that Boston leads the way. I'm proud to support a piece of legislation that the city council is debating right now, filed so that our new construction will be meeting the highest standards for resiliency. This is a personal issue that at the city level we can take many actions on, converting to electric school buses, planting trees, ensuring our stormwater infrastructure is solid, this is the issue that will shape our kids' future and their kids as well. I think about the seaport. All right, well, I'm I'm that that
1: Harris, i was
0: disappointed Michelle didn't mention that the number one thing that Boston has to, to do for climate area. resiliency well, is to not, protect our shores and to stop allowing development and to and actually share sure up for climate resiliency among our coastal shores. She should have hit that, but that's all
5: right. It starts with making sure that we take care of Boston's most vulnerable entry points from the ocean, the four-point channel. We know if the Four Point Channel was to flood today and Dorchester Bay was to flood, we would have a river running between our city. Bye-bye South Boston and all that public housing. Bye-bye South End, Chinatown. So many of our neighborhoods would would have problems. The flash flooding that we saw in New York and New Jersey would be what would uh, happen here. Poor immigrant families living in basement apartments who lost their lives. As mayor, we need to make sure that we have money to Uh, to to bring those four to $20 billion of, of actions to reality now. I would work with the federal government, the Biden administration's infrastructure bill, is a really important tool, once in a lifetime tool. Wow, mentioning sure in the
0: infrastructure bill. Right, Mr. Barros, thank you. We're going to. That's do actually a good move by. Take I mean, the people who are watching this right now wrap are mostly just people wrap. who watch <laughs> MSNBC. Uh,
1: we are going to regroup. We are just getting started, but oh, cool, we still I a have a lot of ground to cover for you tonight. When we um, return, we are taking you to the heart of our city's streets.
0: All right. On it's funny because I'm reading the comments, and there seems to be a massive delay between the people on YouTube and the people on Facebook. But it seems like the Facebook is a lot more live than the YouTube, to be honest. Uh, All right. So, I mean, initial thoughts. Right now, it's so hard for me to take polling seriously. But it seems, knock on wood, almost inevitable, almost for certain, as much as these things can be, that Michelle Wu will uh, will make it out of the prelims. And so tonight is really about the other candidates being Anissa, Andrea, and Kim. John Barris does not have a chance to try to differentiate themselves and to try to pick up a couple points. And and watch, you're going to see, if you're watching me live, all you're going to see right now is uh, campaign ads. Anissa's was before the debate. Now we have Kim. I bet you Andrea and Michelle will have one too. And I mean, Michelle is the easiest path right now. And that is just for her to be herself, do what she always does. Do not take shots at Kim Janey. Do not take shots at any of the other candidates and just make her seem like the most knowledgeable, calm, confident, friendly, relatable candidate on the stage. Oh, here we go. Andrea's ad is now following Kim Janey's and Andrea and Kim have been bashing each other for the last two days. Andrea has been bashing Kim for weeks now, and that's what she needs to do politically. The moment Kim Janey announced in this race, I think Kim Janey became the front-runner, looks like. Will, I'll talk about that at the end, about how the role of incumbency has shaped up to be a double-edged sword for Kim. But Andrea has, needs to differentiate herself from Kim Janey, and she needs to highlight that she is the better candidate Where it comes to the people of Dorchester, Mattapan, Roxbury, Rosendale, who there was an effort to consolidate around Kim Janey that seems to have fallen through. But Tuesday, all right, be back. September
1: 14th, right around the corner. We hit the streets of Boston to ask people what issues they care about. And the most popular topic was Mass and Cast. It's an area oh, long be known good. for its problems. The stretch of Mass Ave is covered in needles, tents, trash, and riddled with crime.
0: Yeah, because a, a nonprofit wanted to open up, up housing, providing housing and treatment We've for, like for people the area, there. And, those and, those parks, and instead, parks, our, our elected officials joined I mean, a community that's group that's and bashed it. Right there. I mean,
6: like... What what are we doing when you're trying to get some aid from a hospital and you have people with the needles threatening to stick you up?
1: I mean, we're dealing with something like, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? All right, candidates, you heard her. Uh, What are you going to do? Councillor
3: Campbell, let's begin with you. Thank you for this question and, and also asking a question about this other public health crisis in the city of Boston. COVID is one, of course, but this is the other. And of course, it's only getting worse and moving into other downtown neighborhoods and other neighborhoods across the city. This area is near and dear to me. I grew up on Mass Ave. We were poor. We didn't have much of anything, but we didn't have needles in our parks. We didn't have needles on the street. We definitely didn't have bodies on the ground. And you didn't know if the person's dead or alive. That is which the is why we need of safe injection see sites in Boston right
0: now. Somebody bring which it up.
3: everyone should be absolutely concerned about. I was the first candidate to put out a plan on how we could tackle this issue. Back in January, our previous mayor was still here. I sent letters advocated with the previous mayor, the governor, the current administration to implement that plan. I am still pushing the acting mayor and the administration to take action. We don't need any more rhetoric. My plan is specific. It has appoint a mass and cast chief, someone to oversee this issue, work to decentralize services, create a responder unit. Yeah, that whole decentralization thing I got to talk about later.
0: Come together to
3: work together to ensure folks have services so we can actually decentralize reactivate Long Island, not just with the bridge, ferry service. I was the fir- first candidate to call for ferry service. I'm still waiting for action. I can't implement this as a city councilor. It has to be driven by the mayor's office. Mayor Janey, is that a fair plan to implement? So
6: let me just say this it goes beyond an intersection. This isn't about an intersection in our city. This is about individuals who are in need of support and services. And I come at this from a very personal perspective. In the 1980s, my uncle was found dead with a needle in his arm. And in the 1980s, addiction was treated as a crime. We have learned a lot since then. And now we view this as a public health problem. And it is, it is a crisis. And we know that this has been a crisis for the last 10 years, and certainly since the bridge came down in 2014. And COVID has made this worse but my team is connecting people to services every single day. This year alone, 1,600 individuals were referred into treatment. This is a challenge. We need to make sure that there is a regional approach. It can't continue to fall all on Boston. We have to decentralize. We have to make sure oh God, all that all say of that our word. city departments, as well as partnering with the DA's office, which we are doing to ensure that those who would pray against vulnerable people in our city are held accountable there is much more we need to She just to do, talked about how we tried to treat money
0: and the opioids and addiction through punishment and now she's pivoting towards the people who sell people opioids and drugs to should be punished
1: it certainly it certainly is individuals this is a unique situation in that it's also located in one spot i mean you you heard the young woman people avoid that area. They don't want to be able to walk down the street there with their children when there are needles on the ground. Yeah, that's um, why
0: we need safe injection sites, and we need to provide to to it um,
4: Well, I started this
0: housing-first policies, which provide housing and then of offer treatment for those of, who wish.
3: Um,
4: as Council President uh, Wu, uh, with me, we started a committee on homelessness, mental health, and recovery. And we were focused on repairing the continuum of care. Bringing together officials at the city level, at the state level, an agency, as well as community-based organizations to do that work. Unfortunately, uh, then-Council President Janey didn't think that committee deserved to exist anymore. Since then, again have come to a breaking point. We need to certainly decentralize services in that area. Continue to offer support
0: (sighs) to people who are
4: not well, who are sick, who are looking for recovery. And make sure that we are responding to the public health crisis and the public safety crisis. Two weeks ago, the Boston Police Department issued a search warrant on a tent. We have seen over the last few weeks a proliferation of tents. One evening I was down there and counted 100 plus tents. We are not serving the people who are most vulnerable and we are not supporting the residents in that
0: area. There is an empty hotel right in this home? area There's that, that has 200 rooms. Where's
1: that balance? You need to help the people who have problems. There are hardworking people who live in that area who are trying to raise children. Where's the balance? How do you strike it? it, it
0: it's, not a, it's not a balance. Yeah, you, what are you talking about?
5: the hardworking people living in that area trying to raise four children. And every time I drive by the area with my kids in the car, I've got one kid, Jeremiah will say, dad, did we bring money? To give to people who are going to ask us for money, and John on the other side will say, "Well, Dad, I don't know if we need to give them money because they're going to use drugs." This is a complex issue, but it needs leadership. It's actually it not really action. that complex. We, we know this the really plan, isn't yet. that not complex not to solve. What we do, we close the engagement center. That's not leadership. That's not the action we need. The place is more violent. There are more people. It's dirtier, and we need people. If the if the elected officials in office right now can't take care of it. We need more elected uh, and better elected officials in office to do it. That's why, as mayor, I will make sure that we have a multidisciplinary 24-hour team on the streets right now with personalized services for the people who need help. I talked to a gentleman there the other day named LeVar. He is um, doing a workforce development program. He's taking a class at Benjamin Franklin Institute, but fails. nobody's trying to help him get his life back together. These are people who need help. And as, a, as the mayor of Boston, I'll make sure they get that help.
1: Uh, it's actually having part a do night to be honest. Group that did try to do something about this previously is that still a plan that you would implement?
2: I have joined community members, residents, small business owners, patients in that area to walk through the area around Mass Ave and Melia Cass many, many times. And when you're there, the feeling you get is the worst of all about government—that it feels like we've given up that as long as everything stays in one area of the city we will look the other way that is unacceptable and we need to bring accountability and action to this it's not that the city's not putting resources there in fact we have put been putting more and more city dollars into that area sweeping the streets now multiple times a day city workers working so hard going to pick up needles as quickly as possible and yet the next morning we're right back where we started that funding that energy that programming has to go to action that will get to root causes. This uh, is ask Michelle
0: again public about that victory programs policy. Prices. I think that's so what the moderator was referring to. and expand
2: to. treatment across the city and the region. And within my first hundred days, I will look at every single city-owned building and parcel to identify where we could quickly locate supportive housing that could
6: relieve. Okay, she mentioned supportive
0: housing. housing. Okay. You know,
2: Councillor
6: Wu is right, which is why we are looking at a I'm regional happy. approach. This can't just fall See. on Boston. Now, this is, is the this is the most frustrating part. To somebody somebody
0: challenged Kim Janey
6: on this.
0: You see how Kim Janey, as, as acting mayor right now, is saying no, no, no. We, we need a regional area, approach. We need other mayors
6: afraid to help. Come, come on, that's such a layup. A issue for them. But we can't someone, someone on that stage, challenger on that point. You're the mayor. You have to take responsibility. With mental health challenges. When we talk about a city council committee. The committee that I formed was on public health, and six weeks later we were hit with a global pandemic. We put all of the the health committee work together in one committee, and fortunately we did that. And we have to make sure that we recognize this as a crisis as well, and we need our state. And other municipal leaders across the Commonwealth. No, nope, not good enough. Municipal. You're the mayor. Somebody I want say it. To
1: continue that thought and move on to our next oh, question God. as well, uh, involving the housing crisis right now in Boston. Uh, so we're going to take another question from one of our media partners here. This question comes from Bay State Banner reader Kristen. Bay Halberg. State Banner. I have been losing neighbors left and right and going to going away parties every single week this
3: whole summer. Mm-hmm. I want to know how the candidates will keep black families in Boston and also support those who were displaced and want to come back. All
1: right, so a clear example there of Embrace how people are being B-B-D-A. priced out of the city is too expensive. They have to leave even though they actually want to be here. Uh, so Mayor Janie, we'll begin with you. What do you have to say to Kristen?
6: Hi, Kristen um, I you know I'm somebody who experienced housing insecurity growing up here in the city of Boston I lived in subsidized housing spent time in a shelter got my first apartment with a section 8 voucher and I bring that lived experience that lens that urgency to this work as mayor uh, within my first week in office as mayor of Boston invested 50 million dollars in rental relief so far we've helped 3,400 households 70% are people of color are Black, 26% Latino. We've got more work to do. It is why I'm also investing in uh, foreclosure prevention. It's why I did an eviction moratorium here in the city of Boston. When at the federal level, the courts struck it down, I made sure that I stood up for the residents of Boston to keep people in their homes, and we're doing more to invest to make sure that people can live out the American dream. I've quadrupled down payment assistance, taking it from $10,000 to $40,000. That is what we need to do to make sure that we are stabilizing our communities and keeping people in our Boston who want to call boston home yeah you want people here who want to be
4: good answer uh, politically though obviously thing, right? that does it not seems like there's such a address how to
0: change the fundamental problems with housing rich, in boston but politically boston, that was a good answer there's not a whole in lot
1: in between and those people need so much help to continue to be able to afford the housing so what's the plan No,
4: the, i mean the plan is to shrink that wealth gap and eliminate it we know the disparities between white families at two hundred fifty thousand, black family at eight dollars in a Latino family at zero dollars. We've got to close that wealth gap and end it. It starts with home ownership. I'm committed to investing up to a million dollars in my first six months as mayor, and I'd love to get- A million dollars
0: buys you one sure and one-third condos.
4: Here in the city of Boston
0: The to idea that you can solve this problem through housing and, housing and survey, house ownership is ridiculous and a
4: lie. It's about the cost of housing in this city. We need greater affordability. We also need to create more opportunity for workforce development, for create the creative economy, for our schools. Families leave the city because they don't have access to the things that they need. Our education system, our transit system, our economic system, our workforce system, it is all an important part of that. And it starts with creating ownership opportunities within the Can
3: housing market
0: Can never do it on process. scale. But, I mean, I, I know politically it's the right thing what to say. you say to it cannot happen on a scale, impossible. I understand, impossible.
3: frankly. You know, I grew up in public housing behind 1850 Washington. Now I'm a first-time homeowner in Mattapan. My housing plan is specific, and it's the most specific and actionable on day one than any other candidate. And it says that every single family in the city of Boston should have access to that same pathway that I had growing up in the city of Boston. But in addition to that, we need to make sure we're building, of course, housing that is a, a pricing points residents can afford. Building housing for our veterans, our seniors who are also being displaced. The city of Boston has incredible power to do that. But in addition, I'm the only candidate with the most significant record of accomplishment on this issue. I think Andrea has use that Many phrase. Many candidates talk about activating vacant Three lots. Times? I've done that. I have 30 city-owned vacant lots right now on Blue Hill Ave being activated. I tell folks drive down Blue Hill Ave being activated right now, including for supportive housing to help those dealing with the opioid crisis at Mass and Cass. I didn't forget about folks living in public housing. I brought a program into the Public Housing Authority that is moving folks out of poverty into homeownership opportunities. It took me 2 years to do that as a city councilor. If I were mayor, it would have taken me 30 days. My first piece of legislation on the council. How many a how, how many people? Give me numbers on how many people went through that program. million dollars every single year including to create more affordable housing. That leadership won't change. Twenty million dollars by and you. My plan is quite specific. Call it on how sure every family can afford to stay here how and to this? thrive and become homeowners just like I did. All right. Shannon, I wanna, let me yes. just say just sure. today
6: I was invited to participate from the White House as a mayor who has a model for the rest of the country in terms of what we were doing here in Boston. Oh, to stabilize that. housing, the eviction moratorium, fifty million dollars in rental relief. Thirty-four households have been helped thus far. Seventy percent of people. They come We she do have that's a payment there. assistance program for first-time home buyers. I've quadrupled it, taking it from ten thousand to forty thousand dollars. That is why the White House invited me. And that May, will only help know, families who are already on the
0: bubble, who can already effort, afford six hundred uh, and fifty thousand dollars homes. And now that extra forty gets you closer the to, to the actual of price. Course,
6: we had a housing cannot crisis happen on long scale. Long before COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. we have income inequality long before COVID. COVID has made these issues worse, but my leadership, we
1: are going to get through and we're going to get through together. You can tell Kristen to tell her friends that they have a chance at coming back they if have they want to be chance. back in the city of Boston. I want to move on to- uh, as oh. on the housing Thank
0: please. you. I was going to say, let Michelle, Michelle mention BDA.
2: As we've seen in the pandemic, housing is health. Housing is opportunity. Housing is safety. And this is the most urgent issue that we are hearing from- community members all across Boston. We know that nearly two thirds of our residents are renters and a third almost of renters are paying more than half their income every year. Oh, you yeah, mentioned rent to control on NBC. It is not a sustainable way to live. And that is why families are getting pushed out. My housing plan includes using every tool in the toolbox for city leverage to build more housing, look at city owned property, add housing on top of that, simplify our processes. But it is not enough simply to say that we will create more housing and wait for that to help, this is an emergency situation right now in Boston. I'm the only candidate in this field willing to fight for every tool, including rent stabilization, oh, to Oh,
0: okay. Well, she changed impact. it to rent stabilization. Um, communities.
2: That is what we need as we're addressing this housing crisis. I, I don't like the change the in the term. Of standing with tenants, I'm, with residents taking on big corporations that were driving up
0: rents. I may have advised her not to mention that. Obviously, show how
2: Boston can lead.
0: But hey, all right. Well, hey, all right.
2: right.
1: Next, next question here. Some uh, uh, sort of a social justice question. Uh, the murder of George Floyd sparked a racial reckoning in America, but also raised a lot of questions about police oh, here in our local good. communities. The question is, where do you stand on defunding the police? You better let Andrea talk. Andrea
0: probably is today. the strongest on this, to be honest.
3: I'll start, because I've been leading on public safety <laughs> as a chair of public safety and criminal justice for the council for the last six years. I tell folks, long before George Floyd and that painful murder that we all experienced, long before, of course, the Patrick Rose case, which is a horrific case in the city of Boston, I knew our police department needed incredible work to become the most transparent and accountable in the nation. I have done that work. I drafted the legislation that created the Office of Police Accountability and Transparency, working with our previous mayor and his task force to get that done. I've shown up in court against one of our patrolmen unions to implement body cameras, which everyone agreed, including officers, it was a great accountability tool. I've done that work and my plan builds upon that leadership and it's the most comprehensive and specific plan out of any candidate in this race and it says two things i want to transform our response to public safety i don't want to just reduce incidents of violence in the city of boston i want to eradicate them and how do we do that by actually restructuring our police department in such a way that we send officers particularly those in specialized units back to the districts so that every neighborhood has adequate coverage and enough officers to actually walk the beat and do community policing. And the benefit of that, we will save millions of dollars from the 400 million dollar budget, 70 no one has million dollar ever given overtime budget,
0: a and be able definition to redirect those resources to the causes of violence, health, 1950s poverty mostly the No other candidate has such saw a competence of plan,
3: and no one has exercised the political courage to take on this issue. And I've done. Oh, no, you, you I didn't mention it, course, uh, cutting as the, as the
0: Boston the Police Department, Andrea. I'm a little disappointed, but I also would advise not to mention it on NBC. As homicides
6: down by 32 percent. It has fatal shootings down by 50%. It has gun arrests up by 26%. We are reimagining policing here in the city of Boston. And even with those numbers... All these like six-month crime trends is is ridiculous to cite. anyone who has lost a loved one to gun violence. I experience gun violence where I live, on my street, on a regular basis. I've lost count how many times someone has been shot in front of my house this issue is real. I live with the trauma, as do many residents across our city. And my plan has been working, but we've got to do more. It is why I invested in the, the Office of Police Accountability and Transparency to make sure that we are doing that work. It is why I, if someone can name me one actionable thing, thing that committee has done, respond to I'll then know you. Sure that I think it just got
5: staffed response, like a month alternative ago. ...alternative
6: response and a community response, because it is not enough just to have empty rhetoric. We have to reimagine how we do this work. I
1: would love Shannon to hear that. I just, Mr. If I Harris, could. I'm going to let you. Uh, you're raising four kids in this city. Do you feel that Mayor Janie's plan is working?
5: Uh, I'm not sure what Mayor Janie's plan is. I'd love for her to point to a plan. She doesn't have a plan. Check her website out. Uh, we've asked for a plan. In fact, she had said she was going to put out a plan and never got one out. In her own timeline, she had uh, uh, said that she was going to do a plan. She is quoting (laughs) quoting data on work that the Walsh administration did. In fact, we know during the seven years of the Walsh administration (laughs) that crime was down and arrests were down. Um, It wasn't a coincidence. It was because we helped to attract more than 140,000 new jobs to the city. Good jobs. We helped to invest in the root causes of violence, making sure that we had supports for trauma, we have to move people into affordable housing. Under the Walsh administration, he's actually doing a really good job tonight. Um, I bash
0: him just because of how bad he's doing in the and polls, he and he had a horrible article on rent control.
5: That he's having a good night, though. Cities. That's why the mayor is able to talk about those numbers, not because a plan that she doesn't have.
1: She inherited them, That's what
5: you're saying? So she, she inherited
6: them. We released our plan yes. at the headquarters of the police department, I did so with District Attorney Rachel Rollins. The numbers that I just quoted are comparing 2021 to 2020. Yeah, as I said, um, I actually this think she's enough. right, John, to be honest. Data points.
0: I'm, well, we I'm also just criticizing the use of sure six-month crime data is useless in any that, that sort of analysis.
6: Trials, there wasn't a
0: single measurable action that was taken that you can then say, because of this action, it resulted work. in X. That is
6: the work that I have focused on my entire career, long before I was an elected official. That is the work
1: that we are continuing in my administration. I nice. just to diminish, but I will point out that 2020 to 2021 was a pandemic year and then slowly coming out of the pandemic, which may or may yeah, not have dec- an effect on those numbers.
0: But I mean, it, it was a little bit so different in, in all cities across well. the country. So, Some Across the nation, crime went up, violent crime, as and measured and by like robberies, as, as murders, mom, rapes I will do nationwide. It uh, went up here sure in Boston. It decreased. But again, looking at crime, like six month data, it's it's meaningless. You can't get anything real about what happened. Happened in and why.
2: Meeting with residents. I have stood as a caregiver for my own mom who lives with mental illness with her in episodes of delusion and paranoia when the police were called, terrified about how that interaction could go. We need a wholesale new approach to the structures of our police department and the culture. Of how we interact with residents to build trust. Someone mentioned the cops
0: beating the shit out of protesters during the George Floyd protests.
2: Activists and community members have been talking about them for years. I'm the only candidate focused on the ways in which city government has real leverage in delivering change, which is the underlying police union contract. We are now a year with an expired contract. I'm the only candidate with a plan to describe how we can use this for accountability transparency, and shifting to a public health letter. I just we have like to publicly. leave that
1: one there at this
4: point. We have to. We could do that, oh. a whole debate. I think that I will the, the viewers the would love to hear have, my well, position on the police budget. We'll see, yeah. Let's yeah. see
0: if yeah. Anissa yeah. says, I will not defund the police. On this
4: panel this evening, who is committed to investing in public safety for our city. I've done the work around reimagining how we interact with and support our residents. A lot of who imagining. Are Everyone leader. uses that My phrase. I the council in 2016. I moved from two social workers who are participating in co-response to four. Two and a half years ago, I moved to 19. We have professionals in place to support our most at-risk we
0: residents. We only have 19 councils in the entire city.
4: Agree in transparency and accountability. I will uphold as mayor the promise of community policing and make sure that our Boston Police Department is working in partnership with our community members, with our city's residents, with our community based organizations who are doing such important work. Oh. As mayor, I am committed to having a safe city, not defunding public safety in this city. Okay, I was gonna say, so that's a layup for, for you, Anissa,
0: for you to say you will not defund the police. That's just
4: another word for defunding public safety in this city. All right, Councillor Sabi George,
1: thank you. We're gonna move on to the rapid fire section. So, Ooh, that'll be stretch fun. out a little bit, take a breath. Uh, a lot of these responses, by the way, can be just a simple yes or no or a one word answer, uh, but the point is to keep it quick and keep it moving. Um, so what I'm gonna do is basically sort of go down the line. A few of them will be for all of you, and I'll note which ones those are when they are. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Barros, I'll begin with you. If this were a ranked choice vote style election, and you could vote for one other candidate besides yourself, who would it be? Bullet
5: vote, oh. I'd probably write in my wife, she's amazing. Yeah, uh, no one's uh, gonna, gonna answer, to answer that, honestly. <laughs> what a pointless what question. What uh, no, I'm, I'm running against the historic field here of strong women, and I'm proud to be uh, running. Yeah, no one's going to answer that. This is like, That's how that. well can you BS? Uh, let's
1: see. Counselor Campbell, I can't make him say someone if he's not going to say it. So. Yeah, no one's going to answer this question. For your first day as the new mayor, and you have to take the T. are you confident you're going to get there on time?
3: Not coming from Mattapan on the red line. No, I'm not. And I also live in a section of the city where there's a transit desert. Okay. So no.
1: Uh, Mayor Janey, do you think employees need to come back to work in person downtown for the city to survive? You know, we have to uh,
6: reimagine what we're gonna have in our city. We know workplace has changed, it has changed. Obviously, we need workers to come back, but everyone may not come back. Some people are gonna work remotely, and so we've gotta attract people to our city in other new ways, creative ways. This is for everybody, raise your
1: hand if you you have. Have you ever been a customer at one of the new local pot shops?
0: Andrea and Kim raised their hands. Uh,
1: again, all for all of you. With a show of hands, how many of you are vaccinated?
0: Oh, that would have been... Okay.
1: Uh, Councilor so Wu, uh, you're moving to East Boston. Are you confident your climate change plan will keep that neighborhood viable for your children? Yes or no?
2: Yes. Our plan is the most practical, yeah, feasible, course. and East Boston will be at the epicenter of making sure everyone is safe and resilient. W- all right, what what do you think
0: Boston? she would say to her.
1: No, my Georgia. plan will not be enough. Do you support
2: a plastic bottle ban in the city of Boston? No. Okay.
1: Uh, well done. And we're going to move on. We're nearing the end of tonight's debate, unfortunately. As mentioned, we drew names to decide the order of the closing statements. Uh, so, Councillor Wu, I don't know. You do people want again, to listen to the closing up, statements?
0: These, these are in the openings. So. I want
2: to thank everyone for tuning in today and I'll, for being part I'll of judge. this historic conversation well that do. we've been having in the city of Boston. I've been so humbled to serve the entire city of Boston for eight years now as an at large councillor who were for Mayor Menino in City Hall before that, to know what is possible in our city when we are all at the table. This is a moment where we need that leadership. The next three to five years and the decisions that we make will shape the next three to five generations. So there are many more plans on my website. Please check it out at michelleforboston.com. And I very respectfully ask for your vote, September 14th.
1: Council Rue, Thank you. Mayor Janey, you have 30 seconds.
2: Thank
6: you so much. I want to thank the sponsors again. I want to thank uh, the candidates on the stage and all of the viewers watching. As mayor of Boston, I have led the city through a lens of equity, justice, and love, making sure that we could reopen our city, keeping crime down, keeping people in their homes. I know we can't go back to normal. We have to go better. This is our opportunity to make sure we are creating a stronger Boston. Can't go back, go better. Curious
0: who wrote that line.
3: Mayor Janie, thank you very much. Councilor Campbell, 30 seconds. Thank you everyone for having me. Of course, thank you to the sponsors. I deeply love the city of Boston. This is a city that took a poor girl from Roxbury and gave me everything I would need to be successful. When I do this work, and of course this run for mayor, it has always been about ensuring that every single resident in this city has access to the same opportunity I had growing up here, whether you're native born or you got here this morning. And I have taken on the issues. I have done the work. It's the reason the Boston Globe endorsed my candidacy. Oh, that we leadership go. won't change. A lot of, a lot of Boston Globe readers who you watch NBC. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And she
0: remembered to mention her website. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining us.
5: I was 14 when my aunt first invited me to a neighbor cleanup. And I learned that people working together can make great things happen, can make positive change. Every day since, I've been working to help improve this city for everyone. I have led, I have advocated, and most importantly, I've gotten things done. On day one, I will bring this city together to make sure that we move forward towards prosperity and justice. Vote for me on September 14th. Ms. Thank Paris,
4: you. thank you very much. All, all right, George, one more. I'll be George. No, thank you very much. As mayor, I'll lead all of Boston. You won't find me on a soapbox, you'll find me in your neighborhoods, as I have been as an at-large city councilor. I'll lead, not with fancy talk, but with hard work. I'll lead responsibly and responsively to the people of Boston. You deserve responsible. that. I'll lead bringing us together on issues of housing, schools, and safety. And I will be the teacher, the mother, and the oh, mayor. began today. and My ended My name is George, and I humbly ask, for your vote. Okay. Thank you very much. And that um,
0: concludes tonight's Boston woo! mayoral debate. The NBC- all right, that's done. We want to thank I'm going to lower time this. Time. I'm going to zoom in. Thank you to us. the people who joined me on that. And, all right. Overall, my, uh, my read of how people did. I mean, no one did anything disastrous. Um, they spent a lot of the time... As I knew they would bashing Kim Janey. So if anything, that probably hurt her the most. Just because the more she's on stage, the more of an opportunity she is to take punches. Also, Michelle Wu is now doing an ad on NBC. So that's almost a hat trick. I don't actually think John Barris has enough money to do a last minute political ad, followed by Kim Janey is now um, airing. So yeah, I mean, yeah, Kim Janey probably did the worst, but that was, I mean, not necessarily her fault. That's one of the problems of being the incumbent. So, I'm gonna give my my predictions of what's gonna happen on Tuesday. I just loaded up the TikTok. If people have comments that like they're a little out of order, I'm not gonna scroll up. But people on different channels have been messaging them, so please feel free. And then I'll answer questions as long as people have them. I guess. Let me just say now, early voting has started everywhere. You can go to any polling location. Any early voting, um, early polling location across the city, you just say what uh, district you are and all that good stuff, and then they hand you the right ballot. If you want to wait until Tuesday, you can. So on Tuesday, if you are listening to this in any format, you know who I want you to support. If you are in District 4, vote for Joel Richards. If you are in District 6, vote for Kendra Hicks. If you are in Somerville, then Tessa Bridge and Becca Miller. For your ward seats. Now, and for a mayor in Boston, I want you to vote Michelle Wu. What do I think will happen with the mayoral race? I think right now the polls have Michelle up huge. Uh, the most recent one, see if I can bring it up, I'm gonna move your TikTok, is around 31%, I think, for Michelle. And then it goes Kim Janey, I think 21, Anissa 20, Andrea 19. I might be, everyone knock everyone down. But they're all within one percentage point of each other, according to the most recent poll. And it has a four-point margin of error. So no one knows. I think the most telling things are looking at the demographics of who is supporting who. Michelle Wu probably has the most reliable voters. I would say she has that camp maybe Andrea, maybe Anissa, and I think Kim Janey has the least reliable. And one of the strongest metrics of who will be able to bring out their base is, one, the age of their base, because we know that older people vote a hell of a lot more than younger people will, and then also the education status. And But that somewhat is a little misleading. So right now, Michelle Wu is the clear favorite where it comes to college-educated. Andrea, I'm sorry, Anissa Asabi-George and Kim Janey are the favorite for not college-educated. Now, that sounds a little counterintuitive because Anissa Asabi-George is by far the most conservative in the race. She's going to draw from the conservative white vote. She's going to draw from the older population. And that is why when you hear... Non-college educated, those have to be separated in two different camps. Because people like my parents, people like many people's parents probably watching this, grandparents, they did not go to college. They did not need to go to college as a pathway to the middle class. And those people vote year after year, especially in municipal elections. So while Kim Janey and Anissa Sabi-George both have that non-college educated pool I think Anise's voters are going to be a little bit older, a little bit more likely to vote than Kim Janey's. So having said all that, and I've been saying for a while that the moment Kim Janey announced she was going to be the favorite in the race, that necessarily hasn't come into fruition. I think that is mostly because of one just running a very poor campaign. There's like, like you have like a 30 point advantage if you're the, the incumbent and that's not a made up stat. I'm pretty sure there's studies on this. And I think she has failed to fully utilize the power of I'll, I'll say mayor. You can say acting mayor if you want to really boost your name recognition and to get out of a he- ahead of a lot of bad press. Everyone knew that she'd be under attack because everyone, myself included, assumed she would be the favorite Being in power, being an incumbent, means that you are responsible. I think the dip in COVID, or I guess you got to do that in the inverse, Um, with the Delta variant, the rise of COVID infections, do we vaccinate mandate? Do we not? Do we go back to a mask mandate? Do we not? I think there was a lot of hesitancy within Kim Janey's administration. Some of this was not their fault, that things just went south. But she let herself... Vulnerable to to being attacked, and that has absolutely been to her detriment. I mean, Andrea Campbell has been pounding her campaign for uh, weeks now, trying to peel off her voters. Michelle Wu has been very critical of the lack of any sort of a vaccine mandate, as have others in the city council. There's been a lot of behind the scenes shenanigans where it comes to Kim Janey. I mean. We were supposed to have a special election. It would it would have been a shit show, and I was one of the people um, speaking that we should get rid of it. But a lot of that was politically motivated to move a special election, which would have happened by per our city charter. I don't. Know, I'll, I'll say June, and by delaying it until September, that bought Kim Janey time to boost up her name recognition to use the powers of the office to pass a few a few pilot programs that people like myself wanted. Also, there was the whole fiasco of not having any early po- po- uh, voting locations in Michelle Wu's district in Chinatown, just showing a very clear favoritism from uh, the administration to the campaign. And then also the Boston Globe came out with how if there was ever any inquiries by the press, they would tip off the campaign and then the campaign would allow Kim Janey to get ahead of it. And so I think a lot of Boston city councilors, a lot of people in mass, boss Polly, got very agitated at how she was using the power of mayor. And she just did not successfully utilize all the benefits of being the incumbent. And instead, she just absorbed a lot of the negatives, which is when you have a target on your back. And if, I don't think this is going to happen, I'm about to give my predictions, but if Andrea Campbell and Kim Janey do not advance. Do not make it out of the prelims. That is going to cause a lot of bad blood in Boston for years, if not a decade, because this has become very personal in terms of who, who do you support? If you want a strong black woman from Boston, who are you rallying behind? This got incredibly personal. It has from a lot of organizers, a lot of activists. And if, both of them don't make it out. It's gonna, it's gonna be bad. Now, um, yes, it is recorded. It's on NBC, uh, ten Boston. This debate, and also I recorded it via my podcast, so you can listen to it there with my commentary. So, what do I think will happen? I think things are gonna be what I said in the beginning months ago. Kim Janey and Michelle Wu will advance. I will allow the polling. And I think Michelle is just running a much stronger campaign than Kim Janey. So Michelle Wu will take first place. I don't think it's going to be at the margin that is currently the polling suggests. But I think Michelle Wu and Kim Janey advance. Andrea, Anissa, Barros all knocked out. From there, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I think Michelle picks up a lot of Anissa voters. I think she picks up a a lot, if not half of Andrei's vo- voters. And while I was very skeptical of how Michelle Wu would do in a camp, uh, general heads-up matchup, I don't know. The, the events of the last few weeks, Kim Janey's failure to consolidate, makes me a lot more optimistic that M- Michelle Wu is in a very strong position to win the general election in November. But one step at a time, I think she's going to come out with the win, number one, um, on this Tuesday. And to answer the question uh, on TikTok, yes. So the preliminary elections take the field and they whittle it down to the top two. And then those two, top two advance and they go head to head for the general election on November 2nd. And this is my usual reminder. If you are watching me on TikTok, I recommend following me on Twitter, or Facebook or YouTube because I do. You can see the screen and I tend to make a lot more eye contact with you. So that's my prediction for the mayoral race. However, I also want it on record, just because this stuff is fun, why not, of who do I think is going to make it out, I got a movie again, for the Boston City Council. Now, I'm not going to do the district seats. I really, really, fingers crossed, hope, believe that the two candidates from Boston DSA, Kendra Hicks, District 6, Joel Riches, District 4 will make it out. If you would like to get involved in their campaigns to ensure that happens, please, upside oh, TikTok, please send me a DM. But in terms of the at-large, so there are 17 names. This is when it gets complicated. You get to pick one person for your district-level counselor, and then you get four votes for your at-large. There are 17 names on this list. I am going to give you them in somewhat reverse order of who I think is going to get knocked out. So I think... And just, I'm going to quickly run through the bottom names. I think Roy Owens, gone. Donnie Palmer, gone. Nick Vance, gone. Bridget Walsh gone. Saeed, gone. Uh, James Coleman, gone. Dominguez DeRosa, gone. And actually, I'm just... Wait, we're going to keep... uh, Dominguez up. So I just knocked out six people. And now I'm going to quickly go through the top 11. But I believe you're going to be in the top eight to advance. So I have Dominguez De Rosa as getting knocked out in the 11th spot. He ran last year. He definitely picked up a lot of name recognition. However, I mean, he has stances that I support. And he has stances that I very much don't. He is very much against the... I believe it was the Victory Nonprofit Treatment, which was going to provide a housing-first model for people in Mass and use an empty hotel that's right in the area to provide housing, to provide treatment. He's very much against that. And if you're against that, you don't have my vote, period. Uh, Next up, I have in the 10th spot, somebody who I voted for, Carlo Monterio. Has a great stance on housing, supports rent control. There may have been some drama, but if I don't know it, I can't imagine any um, voter knows it, to be honest. I loosely heard some things, but I voted for people that I trust, said that she should make the top um, eight. I don't have her getting out of the top eight. I have her getting knocked out of the prelims. Uh, John Spillane, Spillane, I have him at ninth. I think he actually has a TikTok, so I know he follows me. I don't know much about him, seems a little conservative. Eighth spot, so I think that means that I think you will advance, is Kelly Bates. She has some good policies. I also know she follows me on TikTok. Uh, She got into some hot water, we'll call it, when the students from the Boston Public School School Committee resigned. People remember that whole drama. And they resigned in part because they were receiving this very weird-sounding therapy that it sounds like Kelly Bates was one of the therapists in this program. And so she lost a lot of, we'll say, left energy with Twitter energy, whatever. But I have her on the eighth spot. Seventh, Alex Gray. Um, he he has stances that I view to be conservative, Um. He's a lot more in line with, like, Aaron Murphy, who I'll talk about, than he is anywhere to the left. Ruth Lujan, who I have in the sixth spot for this. So, again, everyone from Kelly up is who I think is going to make it out of the prelims. Ruth has picked up a lot of the left energy, a lot of the Twitter energy, a lot of the endorsements. I think Elizabeth Warren has come out to endorse her. I also voted for her. Now, in the fifth spot, I have um, Althea Garrison. And Althea Garrison, it has a fancy word for it, and I forget what it is. But basically, she runs in every election, just constantly. Year after year, she's been doing it for decades. And by doing that, by constantly running, she continually increases her name recognition, which is one, two, and three of how you win any local race, is do you have... You probably hear my roommates in the back is do you have name recognition? So I have Althea coming in fifth for the prelim. I mean, she has been on the Boston city council because she runs so much that like when people resign or leave, she just kind of gets bumped up automatically. In the fourth spot, I have David Halpert. He also ran two years ago. I actually knocked on his door to canvas him for Joel Richards. Um, he's a lot of great policies. I think he'd be a fantastic Boston City Councilor. So I also voted for him in the third spot. Erin Murphy, conservative, probably. I mean, I don't I don't know a lot of the people at the at the bottom that I listed, but she would is probably going to be one of the worst Boston City Councilors should she get elected, and I think she will. At least I have her in third, getting out of the prelims. And then for the top two, I have the two incumbents. Julia Mejia, who I also voted for. She has a lot of great policies. Um, I am still very disappointed in her budget vote uh, from last year when she supported the police-friendly budget that Kim Janey passed. However, I think she still constitutes a top four. And finally, I have Michael Flaherty, who has been on the council forever, has massive name recognition. So I have him coming out of the number one spot. And we'll we'll evaluate the data, we'll see what happens, see how good my predictions are. And I plan on going live again next Wednesday. So we'll get to it. we'll have all the results. We'll see what did I get right, what did I get wrong, what happened, what does it mean for the future of the general election and all that fun stuff. And if you have any questions, now's the time. I'm not seeing any of my multi-stream, or at least everything I see is from be- the debate, so I'm not going to litigate all that. Uh, I'm going to say then goodbye to the live audience on here. Thank you so much. And I'll be going live again next Wednesday. All right. I'm going to say goodbye. See if I can find you to the podcast. You'll have this uploaded, I don't know, by 10 p.m. Bye-bye.